Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson, back with co-host Case Baggerman. How are you doing today, Case? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. It's um, it's a wonderful day. It looks, if I look outside, it actually looks really warm, but it's very cold. It was snowing this morning, so um, I'm happy to sit inside and not to be uh, not to be running this uh, this time of day. How are you doing, Jarian? Nice, doing all right. You know, playing the the weather roulette here as well, where it's been going back and forth. They can't decide if it's winter or spring here. It's uh, it was 65, 70 yesterday. We actually had an ice storm on Thursday night last week, and then a rainstorm um, Sunday night. So it's uh, it's been a wild couple of days here with the weather. So if you say 65, 70 degrees, what's that for the rest of the world that actually uses a very logical system to measure it was like 32 degrees Celsius? <laughs> you know, kind of cut in half, isn't that the rule right there? You know, about half of it. I, I heard you do that in percentages. So 60 to 70 or 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit is like 70% Celsius. So it's reasonably warm. Okay. It's not super warm, but it's okay. If it goes under 50, then it starts getting cold. It's uh, definitely good disc golf weather for me if I can get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also back with uh, one of our special co-hosts, uh, Shane Kleinert. How are you doing today, Shane? Doing awesome, man. It's uh, so good to be back. Uh, we've done some uh, some co-hosting together, and uh, it's my first one co-hosting with uh, with Case as well. We all go way back, and so excited to be here, and uh, hopefully you guys don't beat me up too bad. So. <laughs> no, we're not going to beat you up too bad, but uh, since you uh, just came off the webinar with our guest today, how about you introduce our webinar on the podcast today, or our guest on the podcast today? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So, so awesome, man. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys didn't ask how my weather was, so I'm going to explain my weather. Well, we know your weather always <laughs> is. It's always <laughs> nice down there. Sunny in South Florida, baby. No complaints. <laughs> and humid as shit, but uh, cool. So, so really excited about today. Um, this, we have kind of a special guest today. Uh, not this is someone that uh, we go way back with. I mean, just uh, Jarian uh, and Case and myself, we go back probably 15 plus years. You know, good friends, and and we can say we probably go back just about as much time with 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 our special guest. You know, he's uh, he's been at uh, Citrix for I think tw just over twenty years, which is a, just an incredible tenure, especially uh, these days. We go back to uh, just as even before joining my current company, Choice Solutions. Uh, going back, my old company, we were on all on the P Tech Council together. Um, so he's he's just had an incredible run as as a product manager, as a product director, and now going from product manager up to uh, the GM of Citrix and, and just a super humble down to earth guy and, and really uh, just really here to kind of chat with friends and, and excited to have them. So Sridhar, thank you for coming on and uh, really enjoyed and happy to have you here. No, excited. You know, thanks uh, for inviting me into the podcast and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Nice. Well, thank you for coming on today. And I remember my first uh, probably interaction with you was probably P-Tech back in probably San Francisco back probably in 2010, maybe. Yeah. If I can remember around that time. So yeah. You're just showing age right now, Jorian. Yes, I am old. <laughs> <laughs> now the gray hairs make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's do like a um, a brief intro into your, your background. And, you know, Shane kind of gave you a, a good one, but why don't you give us a little more context to it there? So uh, those who don't know you or don't know your your uh, background with Citrix can uh, can kind of get a feel for it. Yeah, sure, Jerian. Uh, my name is Sridhar Malapudi. Uh, right now, I'm the general manager for the Citrix business unit. I mean, last year was a transformational year for us. We kind of went private, merged, kind of formed a new company called Cloud Software Group. 
uh, you know, think of that as more like house of brands, you know, Citrix, Netscaler, Sharefile, you know, Zen Server, you know, so on and so forth, plus, you know, Chipcoin, other brands as well. So, so I basically run the VU, which, which basically means the product teams, engineering, the advanced support, you know, kind of responsible for the PL and in, in, in the business aspect of it. Uh, been with Citrix, geez, I think it's going to be 23 years uh, this July. Uh, joined straight out of college back in 2000. My plan was to be here for a year. I can tell the story. Uh, and, and and then I was I was in engineering, I think, for, for six odd so years and, and had an itch to be more in front of customers and understand the business a little bit more. So my plan was, okay, let's do this product thing. If it doesn't work out, I can still be an engineer. It <laughs> was my plan B. And, and, and then kind of, you know, grew within the company, did a lot of uh, different product roles, I would say, got more and more responsibility, was part of some new business initiatives as well, like Citrix Service Provider Program. And what we did, this is back in 2008-9, was part of that kind of, you know, helping grow that from zero to a, you know, significant business and then came back to the core, you know, enterprise business, you know, worked with the whole you know, workspace, unified integrating, you know, we had a lot of different products through acquisitions, through, you know, organic builds, you know, trying to build that as, as a platform, you know, did the whole cloud transformation, you know, basically offering our products as, as cloud services, you know, expanding new use cases, building new services and other stuff. And, and so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, a, I would say, an exciting journey. Nice. So, you know, you came out of college right into Citrix and you, you went through the paces there, engineering, product management, now GM. What got you into technology leading into college and as, as a young man uh, growing up? Yeah, I grew up in, in India, you know, close to Hyderabad. Uh, for, for those of you who know, it's, it's on the southern part of the, the, the country. And, you know, growing up, like that's a culture, like education was always big in India. I think it still is. And, and, and mostly at that time, again, this is, you know, early 80s and stuff growing up, it was like, hey, do you want to be a doctor, an engineer? You know, so technology was always big. My dad was a doctor, but, you know, I didn't want to be that. Actually, he advised not to be that. You know, that's like, it's a long career. So I'm not sure unless you really, really love it. And, and that was good in tech, loud math. You know, we had a small computer lab growing up. I mean, this is like early in the days, you know, barely even x86 coming into the picture, uh, you know, writing programs, you know, basic video games, all the fun stuff. But I actually, my goal was not to be in technology, to be honest. You know, growing up, uh, I actually wanted to be on the on the public sector legislative side of the house, you know, it's just, you know, my, my dad and, and me and like, you know, there's some history behind that. So, so technology for me was like plan B um, and I was good at it. You know, did my bachelor's computer science, you know, as I was doing it, I think I kind of fell more in love with it. And I was like, well, that's kind of what I want to do. Uh, and, and, and so I plan B basically became plan A, you know, came to us to do master's in computer science and, uh, and and happenstance joined by Citrix, right? And and I was I was doing my masters, and there were a bunch of alumni who were in Citrix engineering. They they used to come to Iowa State, which is what you know. I was Midwest, and like you know, nobody knows Florida at that time. Everybody, this is like '99, 2000. Everybody's gonna go to the Valley, to the West Coast. That's where technology is. And people used to make fun. Hey, like, why are you interviewing with a Florida company? You know, like '65. 
it's not the speed limit in Florida. It's like the age limit. So, and, and so <laughs> you know, they used to make a lot of fun of it. And, you know, my plan was like, okay, you know what? This is a lot of, the, the people were fun. I'll tell you, like, we had a full day interview. And they were pretty smart as well at that time, Citrix. And I think we still do it, which is we get all the kids from all the great colleges that are cold and freezing, right, in, in winter. And then we fly them here. And so, like, so they flew me to Friday. Like, it was a Friday. It's an all-day interview. This is, like... Jan Fab, where it's freezing everywhere, and you come to South Florida, and, and they they do it on Friday. So it's an all day interview. You got like a panel interview of three people, individual. I mean, you probably meet, geez, at least ten people by the time it's done. You're exhausted, but then they'll be like, "Hey, here's a car, you know, Mustang convertible. Uh, I, you know, drive on us on the weekend. Go back to school on Sunday night or or Monday. They'll pay for the whole thing." And so it was like. Me and my friend, it was funny, I was chatting with that friend a few days back. He went to Microsoft, I came to Citrix. We were like hitting down A, the beaches, the clubs. And we were like, you know what? It, this is not a bad lifestyle. <laughs> you know, we'll, 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 you know, I'll do it for a year was kind of uh, my plan. But uh, in, in all honesty, I think I love the people. I would say I came for the people and probably stayed for the people. So, Yeah, that's a big change. I grew up uh, mostly in Omaha, Nebraska, so not, not too far from Iowa State. Actually, my... Uh... I have some friends that went to Iowa State uh, there in, in Ames, Iowa, and and still pass up that way traveling and stuff. So yeah, that's a that's a big change going from the Midwest in January down to Florida, where it's you know always sunny and 60s and 70s and all that nice weather. So I, I can see how they do that to, to kind of entice you to come down there. Um, so we kind of talked about your journey with Citrix, uh, and you know let's kind of talk about you know the transformation to going private, uh, the whole thing with with, with Tibco. Um, and ultimately, you know, you're leading the ship now on the engineering side of the business unit. Uh, besides the people, what else made you stay through that whole change? Because that, that's a big change from Citrix over the years to to what's going on now with the new Citrix. Yeah, so you know, I've I've seen a lot of transformation at Citrix. I would say most companies probably go through some kind of transformation every five years, right? I mean, I'll look at the early 2000s, that's the growth of, you know, apps and Zen app and, you know, and what we did, you know, going verticals and others. I would say the, the second half, you know, of, of the early 2000s was like VDI, I mean, 2007, if you remember. So that was a huge transformation for us, you know, product business and everything else. And then, you know, and, and then we did, you know, service provider, you know, you know, that transformation and, and building that. And, and, and then we expanded in user computing beyond apps and desktops going to mobile content file and everything else. And then we did the whole transformation to cloud, right? Hey, can we offer this as a service for, for customers, you know, and partners who want to do that as well. So, so I would say, Jerry, in every five years, there's some transformation happening, you know, business, people, product technology. Um, and, and to be honest, it kind of, keeps things interesting and exciting as well. So I, I don't think it's all, all the downside. Uh, and we've been through organizational transformation as well, right? I mean, people forget that you we were actually business units. In fact, that was part of the, the Citrix BU, you know, Citrix, people get confused, Citrix as a company, Citrix is a BU now, but at that time, you know, it was the workspace, you know, business unit, which is what I was part of. And then we had Netscale or ShareFile and everything else. So, so you know, it's kind of, you know, back to the future in some way, organizationally there. In terms of going from public to private, yes, that's a huge transformation. I mean, to be honest, uh, I don't, I didn't know what to expect. You know, if you ask me a question like a year, year and a half back, we're kind of going through the process. I mean, there were, I think, external factors 
that were you know driving that some internal factors you know some of, some of our own missteps as well you know as a public company probably uh, and to be honest i think right now it's great to be a, you know, as a as a private company than a public company you know given what's happening with you know public stocks and public companies and saas companies it's it's been pretty brutal for them uh, and so so i didn't know what to expect as part of that but it was a great experience going through that uh, and, and, and to be honest, like un, until you know the new structure and the CEO, it's hard to kind of tell what the strategy is going to be, right? So I think for me, things really became, you know, obviously I was doing my kind of quote-unquote job. We are functional. I was running all of the product teams there. We are not BU organized. Uh, Tom came in and, and I think that's where for me uh, the excitement started, right? I think, you know, Tom's you know, super clear on the strategy, you know, and, and, you know, both from the business and the company perspective, you know, he obviously bet on the leaders who've been with Citrix for a long time. They're like, Hey, you guys understand, you know, the product, the markets, the partners, the business. So, you know, you can run it. So he's, uh, you know, it's been really exciting uh, under Tom. I think he's one of those leaders. He, you know, empowers you to, to kind of, you know, make the decisions uh and and you know as they say you know strong opinions loosely held you know he loves data like when when we talk about data and providing data like you know you know we all debate that and and, and change things i mean we don't get everything right first time you know that's i think the history of citrix <laughs> but but we definitely kind of listen and, and change and 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 nowadays leverage more of the data to actually help make those decisions as well so it's it's been uh yeah it, the, the transformation was was uh was longer than i thought you know just the whole process but i'm happy we're on the other side of it it's exciting yes it's exciting that you know quote unquote the buck stops with me in terms of decisions and other stuff as well uh it's it's uh it's, it's definitely empowering awesome yeah that's uh it's great to not only hear your uh your it's really great to hear your personal background too i mean it's crazy i've known you 15 years and uh I haven't asked uh, any of your personal background. I'm so bad at that. I always talk with uh, my wife about that. You know, it's just like, there's always, always talk and work talk. So it's definitely, definitely cool to uh, always talk and shop to hear some of that background. So, you know, you talk about kind of that, uh, the data uh, and how important it is to have that data and, uh, and to make decisions based on that data. And I, I think it's important to just take a minute and really for the listeners to, to kind of tackle the elephant in the room um, and, uh, and, and some of the recent kind of rapid fire changes that have, that have happened at Citrix probably over the last, uh, last few months, you know, there's been personnel changes, there's been technology changes, licensing changes, things like that. And, uh, you know, you know, all of us are deeply connected to the community, different routes, right? You know, both, both these guys obviously work, work with Nutanix, but still deeply connected in the community. We get a lot of sentiment from customers and partners. Um, and, and, you know, the sentiment has been, been, hasn't been, hasn't been great on some of the last few changes and, but the vision has just started trickling out, right? You know, Calvin's been out there, spoke at the CUGC, this wonderful vision about, you know, deeper, you know, third-party ecosystem integration, you know, being hybrid and, and, you know, going into, you know, more feature parity across on-prem and DAS. And those are exciting things, but they're being smokescreened by some of these rapid changes. So I, I think if, if you don't mind, if we could just take a few and, and, help create some clarity and maybe the understand the why behind some of these changes. And I'll, if you don't mind, you know, I'll, I'll list, maybe, you know, we'll do one at a time. We'll just talk about three of them. And if you can kind of give some background, I think that'd be great for the listeners early on before we kind of dive into some more of the fun stuff. Uh, if that's okay. Cause the share, the shareholder pressure is gone, right? You're, you're private yeah. now. So, yeah. so it's definitely worth uh, digging into. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, um, 
look, you know, when, when Tom came in around, I think August and, and there's been kind of, you know, three things we did, right? One, obviously the leadership, you know, and, and, and you know, those changes, organizing ourselves as BU, you know, mainly because then you have a clear focus on responsibility and accountability, right? Otherwise in a huge $4 billion arc, it's hard to understand who's actually making the decisions, who's accountable for what, right? So it's really hard for such a large company, to be honest, to be functional, right? Uh, and, and there's some companies who do it pretty well, but mostly it's really, really hard because the accountability and responsibility loses. So, so we did that. And second, we did two things, right? We did what is the, the you know, the customer, the product strategy for the BUs and what is the go-to-market strategy, right? I think, uh, you know, probably some of the noise is on the go-to-market and I'll address that as well. So on, on the product view strategy, it's like, hey guys, we been around for more than 20 years, right? You know, we we... We've been spending a lot of money, billions of dollars every year to acquire customers for the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. So we sold to every customer you can in some fashion. So now is don't chase after new logos and new customers and new markets that don't you don't exist. Take care of the customers you already have. You, you know, we're in, you know, pretty much majority of the Fortune 500, you know, Global 2000, like, you know, the customers, you know, they are users and we solve, you know, complex problems for them. So make them happy, right? Provide them the best of breed support you can, you know, take care of their deployments in their journey. If they're hybrid, hybrid. If they're on-prem, love them. If they want to go to the cloud, love them. So don't kind of force things that are unnatural for, for your customers, unnatural for you, because, you know, we're not a born in the cloud digital company that's, you know, five years old, right? So, so let's not act that way, right? I think which is which is great uh, because you know large technology companies some, sometimes you know ignore the, the the core base and where customers white love and suddenly want to be somebody else and you know like you know if you're a dog you're a dog you can't be a cat one day right so <laughs> it's kind of like you know you have to really understand your stripes and 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 why customers like you and what you do and really support and make them successful because at the end of the day these customers. The, the the admins and all the others who are there they're betting their you know life and careers on on Citrix and we want to be successful so so that was a huge shift in strategy right let's stop chasing new markets making acquisitions that don't make any sense and focus on your core and guess what we are redefining core right you know it's the platform for secure access we are innovating not just on the core VDI DAS we have new innovation around SaaS and web and SPA I mean there's a lot lot more excitement we want to do so so that was the huge shift, right? I mean, that's obviously trickling down uh, on the roadmap and everything else as well. And, you know, those things will take, you know, weeks and months and quarters to customers to start realize, right? So that's a huge shift, okay? I can tell you, like being, you know, looking at where we are putting our R&D dollars over the past five years and where we started putting, it's a huge, huge shift. And it's uh, hopefully it's going to be evident for customers as well, you know, over the coming weeks and months. So so I think I think that's one big. And, and then, the second, the go-to-market aspect of it is is really, you know, focus. You know, we, we kind of segment the market into like, you know, the global two thousand, the top thousand customers, at least for for Citrix and and others. And it's like, hey, look, these are the large complex customers. We can surround them with you know TAMS and account and everybody else because you know these are the big large complex customers. They're growing and also. Do that and everything else, leverage your partner. You've always been a big partner channel ecosystem working, whether it's traditional CSAs or, you know, CSPs or, you know, SIs and others as well. So, 
you know, and, and to be honest, Citrix is that's how it started. It's actually a high leverage model. But I think sometimes companies, you know, in the sake of growth, for the sake of growth, forget and and, and try to, you know, do do too many things, I think, by themselves. And I think it doesn't help the business. I don't think it helps the ecosystem and everything else. So, so some of that is happening and, and also happening in a way where, hey, let's focus on partners who are invested in us, right? And, and who want to scale, who want to grow, right? Because, you know, partner ecosystem as well go up and down, right? I mean, there's partners who, who want to grow and, you know, some die off and others take on. And so that's a natural evolution. So like focus on partners who want to grow, who, you know, with us, who want to invest in us and, and let's double down on them. I think that gives scale for the partner and that gives scale for us as well, as opposed to training. So, so you know, that's the good market changes you've seen as well. We are kind of, we've reduced our own investment on, you know, direct kind of selling and relying more on, on partners and, and that kind of stuff. And, and you know there, there's a global kind of a strategy as well how to tackle different geos and other stuff but you know that's really the big go to market changes happening um and, and and the last part of that i think which is you know sharing to your question some of the you know feedback as well is you know we've also been just like most companies been in this you know transition from selling perpetual licenses with maintenance to more subscription and software as a service kind of a model right i mean we started in 2019 we stopped selling perpetual licenses you know you could buy SaaS on-prem term you could still renew your licenses you know over time a lot of our customers have adopted you know cloud as a, as a hybrid and we've simplified that motion right we're saying hey we'll give you a universal license one single license that gives you full complete flexibility and everything else but at the same time we kind of you know, rip the bandaid off and saying like, hey, if you're still just perpetual licenses and you're just renewing maintenance, you know, we kind of rip the bandaid off and say, hey, go to this universal license and we'll, we'll, we'll be aggressive, you know, in terms of pricing to get you there, right? I think now you could argue, can you do that in three months, six months, nine months, as opposed to like, you know, two months or four weeks for certain customers? I think it is. And, and it's one of those things when we looked at the data, like majority of the renewals actually usually happen for us in Q4 and others. So, so Q2, Q3, you know, is smallish in terms of the number. So, so we kind of felt this is the, you know, best time to do that as well. And, and yes, there's, there's been some growing pains and by the way, hey, look, the other discussions on minimum order quantity, changing that based on the feedback. You know, we're working through partners and, you know, like Choice Solutions and others as well saying like, hey, how do we support, deal with exceptions and others where we need to be? Because, you know, we, we definitely want to do that as well. So so that's kind of the, the the changes. Now, I think all of these are kind of quote unquote becoming public, but we've been working on this for like six months, both the, the product changes, the organizational changes, the go-to-market changes and everything else. And, and, uh, and you know, and definitely, you know, exciting, but you know, lots of, some some changes as well. So, yeah, well, well, thank you for that extremely detailed answer. I mean, I think that 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 helps answer, you know, I think some of the why behind it for sure. Um, you know, I think I think obviously, so so we, you know, me personally, I've been on the front line, obviously as a partner, so I've seen some of the some of the transition live, right? You know, I also also seen you know, some of the some of the transition. I've you know, good friends at, at Citrix that were on the sales side that that obviously. You know, we're no longer there and, and moved on, right? And and that that's part of that shift, right? Some folks on you know uh, you know um, were let go and and you know are moving on to other things because of the shift between you know you know being more uh, from being a sales and, and marketing focused company to more on the product side and and truly seeing the difference because if you look and and you know deeply connected on LinkedIn, you just see the massive amount of job openings on 
you know, on, on the engineering side, which is, which is pretty incredible uh, to see that. So also seeing the shift on, on the partner side where we used to have, you know, multiple reps that we would work with different territories. We have kind of a dedicated rep and, and seeing some, some things there, which, which are definitely good. We've definitely seen a lot of, uh, you know, uh, for us, hearing that feedback from the customers with the rapid changes. Um, but like you said, you know, one of the things that, that, that has been nice and, and really uh, we're super thankful, uh, you know, as a partner and, and hopefully others in the community and that are out there in the ecosystem will see the same as, you know, you know, with you at, at, at the leadership, you know, being able to take this feedback and, and being able to pivot, right? And, and some of the, and one of those examples is really around, you know, minimum quantities, right? And, and that was really a big one. You know, having the original minimum quality quantity being higher, and now where the minimum quality for a new, net new, you know, DAS subscription essentially is two fifty, right? And and that was something that uh, uh, that was that was exciting to to see that change. So hopefully we'll be able to see you know some more of that. Um, you know, I think as as you get get kind of sentiment and and feedback from the community is definitely definitely uh, warming to to see that. And like you had mentioned, you know, on the on the perpetual licensing, it's definitely a a change and challenge for some customers, but you know, that's one of those things that's like pretty much the industry has been moving that way for a couple of years. And, and Citrix has put that messaging out for, for a number of years to customers. It was just kind of that short time frame that's been a little tough to manage, but you, know, you guys have been helping on, on the back end on some of those things. So definitely, definitely appreciate that um, and whatnot. So do you mind just taking a minute uh, and talking a little bit more? You mentioned universal license, you know, and, and some customers have been asking in the community, well, where'd my hybrid rights go? You know, what does that mean? Right. And, and you know, we obviously know the answer. But we'd love to hear your background about why you guys went to the universal license. Obviously, that's something that impacted, you know, um, you know, Nutanix is on here, too. Right. They, they were impacted a little bit by that as in a positive way and some other partners. So if you don't mind talking a little bit about the background, that'd be awesome to hear for the, for the folks. Yeah. So. So as part of the business transformation, Shane, right? I mean, go, going from perpetual to subscription, this is a few years back. We, we basically introduced, introduced this notion of TTU, right? Which is, hey, you can transition your licenses to cloud, you know, control plane and, and use that. But the customers are like, hey, look, I, I'm still running on-prem, you know, in my own data centers or in my own public cloud and stuff. So I can't like overnight happen, right? For some, it takes three years, four years, five years. So we introduced this notion of hybrid rights where essentially you... You TTU your licenses, but you have rights for three-year term or whatever the term of the licenses they are. I think pretty soon as the time progressed, it was very clear for a lot of our customers say, guys, hybrid is the destination for me. You know, for some customers, you know, they might be, you know, 100, like, you know, 100% on-prem right now. They might get to, you know, 30, 40, 60, 80, whatever. But it's never like I'm all 100% pure cloud. Right, you know, running cloud services. That's not our customers. You know, we are, we don't sell to digital native companies, right? So that's that's not who our customers are. So it's always been that mix. And pretty soon we realized, hey guys, I think what is happening is as customers are slowly realizing that I don't want to gun to the head after three years because I'm, you know, I lose my hybrid rights and I gotta go purchase more hybrid rights to keep going, all that stuff. And so that feedback started coming. So we've actually been working on Universal for a while, but given last year was a huge transformation, we actually paused it. Uh, and, and, and so we bring it back. And basically, hybrid rights is built into universal license. You don't pay extra for it. It doesn't expire. And we don't care how you manage your environment, right? I think one thing we confused ourselves, and I think we confused the markets and everybody, which is like, let's separate the delivery model from what the core value of our product does, 
right? The delivery model could be you run it in your on-prem, you can run it in your public cloud or hybrid deployment or use our SaaS services or mix all of them based on your use case. And we love any of that stuff, right? So, so let's not penalize a customer for picking one or other delivery model from the innovation we're building. That's, that's a huge change. You're saying like, no, let's let's do innovation in such a way that it, we don't penalize any customer based on their delivery model. And majority of our customers mix all of them, right? So they'll have some use cases for our SaaS service. They'll have some use cases where they want to run it themselves because it's, you know, regulation, sovereign cloud, whatever they want to do it themselves. Or sometimes they're like, hey, I'm perfectly fine to be in my data center. I don't have a plan right now to get off of it for the next three, five years. So I want to keep doing that, right? So. So that's the that's a huge change. Essentially, take the complexity out, take the penalty out. You know, simplify licensing, uh, and make it easy for customers to adopt. Yeah, one thing too is that you know, as Shane said, the industry has been going to a subscription-based type model for for software. You know, the perpetual days are, are going away. And I also like too that with the the CVAD term licensing that you also added back uh, the cloud option as well, provisioning option to where. You know that conversation is more of you can have CVAD term or you can have universal. It, it's not more of well you have to be a 1912 LTSR if you want to be you know completely on-prem control plane. So you guys have greatly uh, eased that whole conversation, and I'm glad the feedback that you heard from the field because just us working with you know some of our hybrid products, it always was a fun conversation and trying to steal customers through the licensing journey on, on the Citrix side. So I just want to say thank you for making that more simple uh, of two options and then do what you want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I mean, this is one of the benefits, I would say, as a private company, like as a public company, sometimes you go after SaaS ARR growth and other stuff and, 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 you know, it can lead you to some unnatural things sometimes you you kind of end up doing. So, uh, you know, we don't we don't have the same pressures right now. So. Yeah, let me um, pile in on that as well, because. You know, early days when um, um, when I was still at a partner, I had this um, um, laptop sticker on my on my laptop that said uh, "Power of Choice," which mm -hmm. was one of the slogans that Citrix once had with the kind of a, as a lead into the any any any. And I think uh, just listening to uh, what you've been what you've been alluding to, it I think that's kind of where it boils down to for me is mm -hmm. that you're no longer dictating what the direction is. You're giving customers the power of choice again, yeah. which is for me one of the unique features that Citrix has ingrained in all of their products over the years is that flexibility to pick whatever you want, pick whenever you need it, but have best in class just in case the customer needs that particular feature service or whatever it is that they're consuming. So, you know, from my perspective, this brings back kind of a customer focus on where they where they want to go versus um, a roadmap that is directed from a technology perspective and is guided by choices that are being made from a office, maybe in Florida or, um, you know, yeah. um, in my case, in, in Utrecht, the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Choice and Flexibility has always been our differentiation. And, you know, we've always been, quote unquote, the Switzerland, let customers, you know, pick a diverse, yeah. uh, you know, set of uh, ecosystem partners and solutions. And, and you know, we simplify that complexity, right, in some ways, you know, we, we've been at the center of that. It, it's also changing that perception over the past few years of, of cloud only to being a hybrid choice customer or to, to a hybrid choice company now. So that perception yeah. is changing now from that that cloud only that's been there for the past couple of years. 
Yeah. And I, I think it's an important point too, because the messaging over, over the years has been pushing customers to this DAS service, which is, which is, it took year, you know, a few years for the customers to get the value of it. The value is incredible. We have a, most of our customers have moved that direction. And now there's this shift of universal. So some customers might say, well, wait, what do you mean? We're going back to on-prem. Well, no, you have the option, right? Because there are still scenarios where yeah. maybe it does make sense, right? You know, there could be, whether it's a, a company that has, you know, some, you know, regional awareness, uh, you know, out in China or a dark site or whatever it is, there's definitely still reasons for it. Maybe they have, you know, strong operational practices or, or team, you know, internally, but the, the challenge was the feature parity wasn't there. And I think from what you were mentioning and what's been shown so far is that feature parity is, is coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's, uh, I mean, we are seeing tremendous growth in cloud and our cloud services and as, and, and, and I'm sure that's going to continue growing. I mean, last year, I mean, geez, I think we, we launched 1.6 billion sessions in a year, right? With V. So, you know, the scale is huge, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and so we continue seeing that grow. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of these customers, you know, are in hybrid deployments and we want to make that experience actually simple and easier as well. And, and so, you know, we've been, you know, brainstorming thinking as well internally, you know, how we can, you know, really, really simplify that, that experience as well, you know, not to mention, you know, do the same thing for our partners, you know, both, uh, you know, including service providers and others who can manage those environments. So um, uh, switching it up to a lighter topic, uh, while I really appreciate kind of the the, the thought there, but um, in the past, the Citrix community um, didn't get real focus from Citrix out of, outside of the CTP, CTA programs and some presence in the Citrix user group community. But, you know, for us, it, it, it kind of felt like there was no focus. And with Citrix not um, happening in, in the last few years, um, can you tell me kind of how things are changing in the new structure and how Citrix is planning to re-engage with the community and, and hopefully help share the new vision with partners, customers, and new prospects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Chris. And, and, and this is one of those things we want to listen and get better. Uh, you know, so in, in a lot of ways, I think the challenge with the functional organization is kind of, you know, it kind of gets lost in the big, you know, unified corporate marketing kind of engine that we used to have. I think with, with the BU focused, you know, it's going to be like, hey, whatever helps to, you know, keep your customers happy, the channel partners you should be doing. So, so a lot of that is is coming back to the BUs, like, which is what we do. Uh, you know, like there's Chris Flack in my team, you know, reporting to me, like, you know, it's one part of his is, you know, yes, he's got, you know, focus a little bit on, you know, verticals, but also, also focus on tech ecosystem, right? Uh, you know, plus, building and growing the community, whether it's, you know, customers or partners and everything else. So, so we're putting a lot more emphasis back there, you know, you know, including, you know, dollars into that, you know, we're going to have the first CTP meeting coming up in, in, in what a month, uh, hopefully you'll get to come as well. And, and all of us, you know, it's just a great example. Let's re-engage back into the community as well. You know, CDP, CTS, I think is a classic example of that. We're trying to do more with CUGC, you know, working, you know, with CUGC. Again, you know, a lot of that is changing with COVID and, and you know, things are coming back. Work with partners and customers and see how we energize it. You know, we are exploring more ideas. Uh, we want to be... You know, we, we, we have obviously technology councils like, you know, P-TECH and CDP and others. We want to do 
you know, partner advisory boards as well, right? From a business perspective, because those are a lot of the questions, especially over the months. So how do we do that? We want to we have a cab. We want to add more customer advisory councils for different things. So we we want to we want to re-engage that. And and you know, plus we I think last year was kind of the transformation set all the things that we know we had to do and this year is execution plus getting out in front of customers and partners right i mean we didn't have synergy for a long time last year was kind of like pretty like not a lot of information coming out other than citrix going private and so this year is like really coming out and showing our excitement why we're excited why we're focused about you know customers and, and, and channel and partners uh, in, in doing that, I mean, we, we were at Igel Disrupt as an example. You'll see a lot more, uh, and hopefully we'll be at, at that next as well and, you know, more events and, you know, we'll have, you know, probably our own events, you know, probably more regionally. I'm, I'm not sure we'll have a big, big uh, event, but we want, again, what does it take for us to get more intimate with customers and partners and listen and, and get that feedback, right? So, so you know, expect those things, you know, more and more this year, because I think a big part of that is just getting the message out. So. Yeah, definitely. I, to me, I, I absolutely love the refocus on community. And that's been just something that's super exciting to see. I'm already seeing it, as you mentioned, you know, from, from the CTP perspective and moving in, but also seeing like you guys being out at, at, at IGEL Disrupt, uh, you know, starting to events. Yep. 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 And, and I guess the, the, the question there too is like, so what, what about, you know, Citrix in the past had synergy, right? That was like the big, like, how do you get your customers together? Right. So, so, so if you can talk to, you know, what is the future plan there, right? Is, uh, is there going to be a customer event? Is it, is it more distributed and, and closer to the users? You know, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, we're working on that, Shane. Uh, you know, look in this new model for us, you know, our focus is, you know, the, the top, you know, 1000 kind of customers. And so we want to get more intimate. Like we really want to understand who are the admins, who are the champions, how do we make them successful? So whatever, you know, best lets us do that, we're going to do that as well. So some of that planning is happening the same with partners. Like how do we get more in front of our, in our partners and other stuff? So right now we are leveraging the industry events, you know, EUC related events, you know, and BLDR, which I think, is great way because it attracts broader community as well beyond just the Citrix and, and stuff. And, and second, we're kind of planning. I mean, we've obviously been through a lot of changes and transformations. So we've been a little busy Q1 uh, doing all that stuff, but, you know, we're kind of planning, um, you know, second half, you know, what what else can we do, right, to, to be out there. Um, and and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of work in progress. So you mentioned uh, technology partners briefly. So let's talk about that. Um, one of the key vision statements uh, is around third-party ecosystem integration. So you know, and currently, yep. you know, in the past, you've had the Ready program, um, which was an ex you know extent of the integrated vision. Um, can you provide a few examples of any expected deeper integration stories? You know, between customers, prospects, and you know, third-party ecosystem partners, you might expect to see. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look, I think over the past four or five years, we've been a little too much in our push to cloud and SaaS, you know, focused a little just on the cloud, you know, partners and other stuff. And I think, you know, Citrix has a much broader ecosystem of partners that our customers deploy, right? And, and you know, we can start from the users to the apps. If you look at it, you know, we want to do more on the endpoints and devices, right? You know, that's just kind of, you know, partner stuff. You know, whether it's Agile or Unicorn or others, and we, you know, obviously do with, you know, Windows and Apple. I mean, we met Apple last year, great, like in their campus, like we want to do 
do more with them, right? You know, iOS and, and Mac ecosystem, we want to do, you know, doing the same thing with Android. We're doing the same Chromebooks, you know, because some customers like, hey, look, absolutely, for a certain population, I want to do Chromebooks. So we've been working very closely with Google and Chrome team as well on that. So, so that's a great, I mean, we're part of their modern computing alliance and everything. So that's one example of devices. You know, we want to do the same thing on identity, right? You know, AD, Azure AD, but we work actually very closely with Okta and Ping and everything else. And, you know, how do we do it? We're working closely with the endpoint protection guys, right? You know, like whether it's, you know, Microsoft ATP or CrowdStrike or others, how do you take all those signals and and feed that and, and provide a secure access experience, right? So we're doing integrations with all of that stuff, like the device posture functionality, you know, we're building, you know, more and more support for that. We're you know, obviously doing on the application side, you know, some of the key applications now are like, you know, Zoom and Teams and Cisco WebEx and you know, all the and new contact center platforms, you know, Genesis, you name it, like a lot of things are coming up. So how do we work more closely together, like both at an engineering, engineering product to product level, uh, obviously cloud and, you know, hybrid is huge. You know, we, we've, we've dramatically, you know, we've always been great working with Nutanix, but we've been doubling that down right now. We're taking making Nutanix a first-class platform in terms of a cloud and owning the connectors and building all the other stuff. So that's like, hey, look, you're not asking the partner to invest. We're going to invest. Like, give, give that back. We're going to invest in it. And, and so that's a classic example of what we're doing more on, on you know, where customers can put their applications and, and workloads. And I mean, like, we want to do more of it you know, people who want to do like, you know, analytics and monitoring and others, like, you know, you actually want to integrate more with, you know, Control Up and EG and Lakeside and all those guys and say, guys, we collect all this information, happy to take it, right? Use it. And and if our joint customers and partners get value, more for us. I mean, we make money because, you know, it's our platform. You make money because you add value taking our information and everything else, right? So, so being more, I think sometimes fundamental, like sometimes as you try to grow, grow, grow at the sake of growing your top line, you forget that your success is the success of the ecosystem, right? And, and so, uh, and, and so we, we're, we're doing a lot of those things, you know, we want to invest into Splunk integration. Some customers are like, hey, Luke, you know what, give me all your data. I want to put it in Splunk, you know, or AWS or, you know, you know, somewhere else or put it on Elasticsearch. I want to run my own reports. Great. That's fine. You know, take the data, you know. And, and so that's really what's happening and really building roadmap behind it, right? So it's not just marketing and Citrix strategy and certification, but like, what do we do from a deep technology integration perspective to help improve our customers' life? Now, analytics is a great example, right? Customers are like, yeah, fine. Like you have analytics. One, you charge more. And second, it's sitting in another data lake and you run your own reports. It doesn't integrate with all the other stuff I have. It's like, okay, great. One, we'll make it part of, you know, DAS Premium Plus, Universal, use it. It's a capability. It's not a product or a business we're trying to grow. It's a capability we want to use. And second, we want to take all that data and give it, put it in your own data lakes, whether it's, you know, Splunk or something else. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and do it. In our control app, like, hey, that's your database, that's your data lake, great. You know, we'll put everything in there and and so give that choice and ecosystem integration, right? So you'll see a lot of those things kind of show up, you know, products and roadmaps, you know, as 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 we uh, uh, as we progress in the year. Yeah, I, I personally, I absolutely love that. Love that idea. You know, we've been deeply connected, uh, you know, with, with the ecosystem through the years in the EUC space. And, and there's some fantastic partners out there and it's great to see deeper integration and, and to see innovation across that. And, and personally, you know, for me, I, I think what's exciting is, is being able to, you know, instead of you guys just trying to, you know, build onto your product, like 
you know, be the best monitoring for the entire infrastructure of a company, like be the best at monitoring Citrix, focus in on that, focus in on that core, provide those APIs to these other companies to take the best of the ability of that, right? Of the Citrix. You guys know the Citrix stack the best, give some of that out to the others and let them bring some of their pieces in. And and, and that just, it just forms just awesome synergy. So it's really, really yeah. cool to see that. So, so yeah, thank you for, for sharing that light. Cause that was definitely something that was highlighted at the CUGC was, like deeper third-party ecosystem integration. I think you really uh, touched on that really nice. Um, yeah. You know, so that actually kind of brings brings up kind of a, a, another kind of transitional question here is, you know, customers have, have been transitioning to just a mashup of architectures, you know, hybrid, local, SaaS apps, you know, local apps, uh, you know, different identity providers. And that goes back into that kind of hybrid conversation we were talking about earlier, um, you know, different, different spots for their data and, and things like that. Um, software vendors are moving at incredibly fast pace, you know, and, and so how, how is Citrix positioned to continue as the market leader, you know, and, and also uh, beyond its primary kind of remote delivery persona that, that's been out there for years. Citrix is just a remote delivery company. Um, and, you know, a past acquisition of, of Rike was a, a big, bold attempt. Um, but you know, with that said, you know, um, you know, don't get, don't get, don't get me wrong on that. I mean, I personally, I think they're, they're a great solution, but personally didn't feel that was a, you know, great fit for Citrix at its core, but everyone has kind of a different vision around that. But, you know, how do you, how, how does Citrix plan to kind of walk in this new space and, and to go beyond just a remote delivery company? Yeah, look, I, I, you know, we've always used to say, like, follow the apps and follow the users, right? And, and so if you really look at Citrix has always been this platform for, you know, secure access to your enterprise applications and desktops, right? Starting with Windows apps and desktops, that's huge. You know, that's right. We went into mobile and data. Now we also want to focus a lot on SaaS and web applications because a lot of applications, you know, are getting modernized. They can be, you know, accessed through, you know, a, a Chrome browser or, or like, a, you know, browser platform, right? So now, but at the same time, the challenges don't go away, right? Okay, how do you secure access to that application from a managed device, unmanaged device? What is the user experience going to look like? How does it integrate with, you know, all your enterprise tools? How do you monitor all the other stuff? So, so you know, we, we've looked at chain really, you know, we already have a platform where customers use for delivery, right? Windows applications and desktops and in, in, in some cases, you know, mobile. And now, you know, SaaS and web is growing. Like one of the fastest growing deployments and services for us over the past two, three years is, you know, SaaS and web applications because customers are like, hey, look, I, I have this enterprise web application. It's actually kind of works through a browser. I don't want to virtualize it, you know, do all this infrastructure just for that. But, you know, can you make it, easy for us to deliver that same solution. So customers are saying, great, right? You know, like you do Windows applications, Windows desktop, just add SaaS and web applications as well. So it's a natural extension. And, and, and so, you know, it kind of goes back to like follow the applications. And, and our focus is more on the enterprise applications, right? You know, which is really what our customers use that for. And, and you know, I look at even within Citrix, right? I mean, we have a mix of different applications we use. Some are you know, hiring application and, you know, BI application, you know, there are some are SaaS applications, some are actually applications that are hosting in our own cloud or data centers, but they can be accessed through the browser, but they have the same challenges, you know, like anything else. So, so you know, we're, we're basically, you know, want to be the platform for, for secure access, right? And, and that's kind of what we've been going and our differentiation, I think is hybrid. You know, we're not a pure cloud SaaS only kind of vendors. And so you want to, 
you know, provide that, uh, you know, hybrid experience for customers. And, and you know, surprisingly, it's, uh, you know, the whole VPN less and, and, and way to access browser-based applications is actually picking off a lot. I mean, uh, the amount of interest we've seen, I mean, some of that is probably post-COVID and everybody's kind of working from home. Uh, but it's uh, it's uh, it's really expanding, uh, I would say, into a lot of employee workforce as well. You know, who want to use that. So, so you know, in, in from from that perspective, and in, in in that light, there's a a, a semi renewed product focus. And could you give us a, a, a um, even more in depth glimpse of what we might be seeing in in the coming future? Maybe a sentence or two. What customers and prospects and partners. Um, are excited about with the new Citrix and what we can expect over the, the next foreseeable future? Yeah, look, this year, you know, for us, is kind of, you know, back to basics and, and get on execution, right? All the strategy changes we're making, you know, case we're really putting it into motion, right? Because, you know, the rubber hits the road when you actually see it in the product and the roadmap. So a lot of those changes are coming. Um, you know, some of the big changes we said, I mean, some are tactical, some are strategic, like some of the things are like, hey, guys, let's put innovation back into storefront. Like people don't realize 80, 90 percent of our users still access through storefront. And we are like, we haven't touched the product in four years. <laughs> like, okay, like, you know, like if you are a customer, like, how do you feel? Right. So so let's put that innovation. Let's modernize it, you know, make it, a, you know, it's one of the most popular web apps deployed worldwide. Right. That's let's do that. Let's bring all the simplification of administration. We've done a lot of things in the cloud studio. Can we do the same thing for web studio and APIs and everything? Bring that innovation back. Uh, same, you know, talk a little bit about analytics and, and how we want to, you know, leverage, you know, customer platforms and ecosystems to kind of do that as well, right? That's another change coming, you know, SPA, secure private access, right? And, and, and you know, that's a huge thing that we're doing and we're bringing it, quote unquote, on-prem as well. And you want to upgrade your storefront and scaler, you, you get pure access. You don't have to go try to build a whole new infrastructure, a new company that you don't know. It's just your existing infrastructure. Uh, second half, you'll see exciting. We we want to basically, you know, relaunch enterprise browser as a as quote unquote your Citrix client, right? That's your modern client application. If you think about it, right? Why don't users start in the browser, right? It's a it's a you know it's it's really based on Chromium, but it provides a great user experience. Everybody knows how to use it, and you can use that for accessing your you know storefront, workspace, cloud. Doesn't matter. We give you a modern experience for that. We give you a virtual apps and desktop. We, we give you SaaS web apps, and we help you manage that. You know, much easier as well. Not just for your employees, but your contractors. Why can't that be a work browser? You know that that you can do it uh, without worrying about the security and all the million tools you have to do to support. You know, Chrome and Edge and Safari and others. You know, why can't it be a great browser experience? And and we know how to do both user experience and security and all the other integrations we have. Right. So lots of lots of exciting things, you know, definitely coming out. Uh, and I think the most important part of this transformation, to be honest, is listening to customers, right? I think, you know, over the past three, four years, I mean, Reich, you know, was, uh, uh, you know, was kind of trying to take us in a different direction. We are, we are, we are not good in, you know, building apps. We're great in delivering apps, right? And, and providing a great secure access experience to that. I think that's the big difference. And, and, you know, going back to the roots of, hey, you we want to provide the best access experience for all those applications, right? Uh, and and that's that's what we want. Uh, that's what we want to do. 
So since we're talking a little bit about acquisitions, you know, you know, let's kind of change the topic up a little bit. Um, Citrix has had some great success with some acquisitions and some sunsets. You know, you yep. had some past, present, you know, maybe some future ones, you, you know, you might hint at, but any past sunset products making a comeback, you know, what does, what happens when you sunset a product? Do do pieces get used in other things? Does the whole thing get shelved? You know, is it a product by product, you know, acquisition basis? You know, what happens with those sunset products? Yeah, usually if you look at acquisitions, um, Jerry, and they kind of form into a few different buckets. One is it's a technology tuck-in, right? You know, it's it's a great technology. We, we acquire it. It really becomes, you know, a capability that we built into the product. And that's actually the easier ones to do, the best ones. And we've done it over the years a lot. I mean, VAM, if you remember, was Norscale acquisition a long time back. And, you know, people gave a lot of crap about that, but it's one of the most popular deployed products right there. I mean, it's growing like crazy, right? So that's a great technology acquisition where we acquire the technology, invest and grow. I mean, PBS a long time back was a classic example of that app layering. So, so those are technology acquisitions and we'll continue doing that. In fact, you know, we're we, actively looking at a lot of those things as we speak, right? So, so those things grow. Now, quote unquote, you can go buy new businesses as well. You know, that's a different kind of a flavor. That's more at the cloud software group level where, you know, Tom has, you know, wants to grow the company from $4 billion to $20 billion. And you can't all grow that organically, right? Within the businesses you want, you want to get other businesses, but they're the strategies that's aligned to the company strategy, right? Not go buy something that doesn't align to our existing customers. There's a lot of enterprise infrastructure companies out there. So, so that's a second part of the strategy as well. And, and when we end of life, I mean, there's, there's usually some reasons for that, uh, you know, either, you know, we're in the wrong market, you know, that didn't really pan out and other things. Usually we give like three to five years, depending on how many customers are there life cycle, because you never want to leave customer hanging out there. Right. And, and so, so one thing we, we do want to do, we've done that, whether it's a feature deprecation or, or something, is like give enough time for customers so they can transition out, right? Customers understand things change, but what they don't appreciate is like when you pull the rug underneath them, right? So that's that's not what we do. We support them through those transitions. And the recent changes, to be to be honest, is you know we we, we kind of first said we you know end of life in mobile, uh, you know Citrix endpoint management. We we actually we brought it back. We're investing again based on customers. We have a lot of our top thousand customers using it deploying and we are like, hey, look, we're happy to keep supporting it, enhancing for your use cases. We're not trying to go after some new markets or new customers, but for a lot of our customers, we are putting that innovation back, right? Again, it's like customer-focused innovation and, and we have a lot of customers. So. And, and Zen Mobile slash endpoint management is a great example of a yeah. product that was end of life, sunsetted and, and now being brought back. So that, that's a great example. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and that's actually a great, great point there to transition to you talk about, you know, bringing back endpoint management, right? So that, you know, when, when that kind of went away, the thought there, you know, at least from myself and, and others potentially were like, well, that's, that's a good idea, right? You're deepering, you know, a lot of folks have been, Microsoft's just doing a fantastic job and has been with their, with their ecosystem or, you know, with their product stack and building out their solution, right? And, and in tune and the deeper integration there. Um, so, with that, you can you can talk to that as well. But I, I'm curious about you know talking a little bit about kind of the Citrix and Microsoft partnership, you know the renewed focus that you know that's there. Um, you know a lot of customers are you know not a lot of customers, but we have customers that you know have moved that that are Azure already, right? So AVD Azure Virtual Desktop is you know Azure only, right? 
so so with that said, it's it's not you know uh, hybrid and from that perspective, unless you're on the you know the um, HCI platform or whatnot. But point being is you know AVD is for a lot of customers is good enough, right? So with that said, you know Intune is in the same boat. You know how do you battle you know battling good enough, but at the same time providing and extending you know the AVD platform. You know what what does that what does that look like uh, kind of in the future? How is Citrix navigating that? Uh, one, I know one example, which which was just announced, which is really exciting and extending, the, like a true extension, because there's a lot of confusion out there where folks think, you know, you know, some folks just, that, you know, think it, it, AVD is is its own. AVD is in fact its own delivery model, right? And um, but some folks get confused around the entitlements and things like that. And and Citrix is really its own model as well. But Windows 365 is a true extension. Is that that's like the real true extension to AVD? Uh, for that persistent scenario. So yeah, if you could talk a little bit to that um, sure. about the partnership, renewed focus, and and how you're you guys are navigating this, and keeping the partnership strong, but also veering with competition. Yeah, for, first on the tactical question on Intune. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of our customers are Intune, and we're happy for that, right? We support, we integrate with that. None of that is changing. Again, it's customer focused innovation. It's much easier to listen to customers and adapt to that rather than force them right out of things just in general. So so this is like hey. You're, you're happy with endpoint management, great. We have a lot of customers who want to do it. Some are on-prem, some are hybrid for different reasons. They're like, we want this, we like it. There's unique features, great. Keep keep using it, keep expanding. It's a huge market, right? There's a lot of players. Yeah. If somebody's like, no, I'm going to Intune, I wanted integration. Uh, yeah, great, we'll do that. Micro VPN, gateway stuff, we're doing you know with HDX uh, Plus and all the other integrations we're doing Cloud PC. So none of that is changing. Look, I mean, Microsoft is, and and always are one of the longest standing partners, right? I look, I think people always ask the question, like, oh, is AVD good enough? Like, I mean, I've got that question since long haul, right? 2003. Server 2003. Server 2003 was supposed to kill Citrix, by the way. Like, I still remember, like, and or 2007, I forget long haul, but you know what I mean. I think the, the reality is like, look, you want to be in an industry where the platform's growing, right? You never want to be in an industry where the platform's not growing. And Microsoft is a platform, right? You know. Yeah. Windows and, and you know Azure and those things. And the fact that they're investing in the platform and growing the pie is a good thing for all of us, right? As, as a vendor or a, as a community, who wants to be where the platform's not growing and shrinking, right? That's never a fun place. So, so that way, I think it's actually exciting, to be honest. I, I haven't seen Microsoft you know, talk about this platform uh like this in probably at least you know you know you know for a long time right and, and of course their strategy is different you know they're not you know hybrid and everything their their focus is on azure which is okay i think you know they are when we look at it customers always have some hybrid right they're like the way they come to citrix is like guys you help me manage complexity right like if if my needs are pure, pure Windows, pure Azure, pure AD and stuff. Okay, there might be a sliver of use case where it's, it's like, you know, that the base solution is good enough. That's true for 20 years. I don't think we are, you know, 100%, you know, VDI market share and, and, and DAS market share owners, right? So in that way, I feel happy we work so closely with Microsoft. There's like, geez, like 20 working streams. And I'm not talking just AVD and Cloud PC. We work with Teams, we work with Azure AD, we work with Intune. You know, you name it, server OS, you know, all, all like we work, you know, across the board because, you know, we go, you know, broader and deeper. Uh, and a lot of our customers say, hey, look, I want to use Citrix, quote unquote, as a control plane and the user experience and the management layer. And yes, I will have need for Azure Virtual Desktop for certain use cases. 
I will have need for Windows 365. Uh, I mean, it's a great flat rate PC. I mean, it's never going to be same cost effective as your, you know, multi-session or others. So customers kind of pick and choose. I mean, I'm like, great. You know, you want to, you know, pick and choose based on, you know, what your needs are. will help simplify, manage all of that stuff, right? And and plus it extends beyond, beyond, beyond that and also goes into like, you know, they have different devices and identities and, you know, other platform ecosystem and applications they want to support them. It's like, Absolutely. Right. So, you know, that's our value choice and flexibility. And I think the more diverse the customer is, the more value we'll add. So. Hey, just a, a quick comment. Um, just a quick comment here. So you mentioned uh, the, the cloud PC. Um, we mentioned Sunset products. Uh, anything on that line to, to combat that or are you going to let that business go? Cloud PC? Sorry, I didn't I didn't get the question. Sure. So you have a competitive product uh, and an acquisition that actually are sunsetted that could potentially combat cloud PC, you know, especially in offline mode for mobile, mobile people. Is that business going to basically, you know, kind of leave the Microsoft or any, oh, any like irons in the fire there again? Zen client and desktop player and stuff. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, I think, I think the challenge, to be honest, I mean, this going back in time with Zen client has been, if you're not an OS platform vendor, it's really impossible to keep up with all the drivers that are on a PC. You know, like how many different types of cameras you can buy, uh, you know, and, and just support that. Like, it's amazing. And so I think Microsoft has the opportunity to kind of address that, I think, at the driver OS level. And if they can, I think then, you know, again, uh, I think, I think you know, I, I do believe in Scott's, you know, Windows 365 and Cloud PC as an expansion opportunity, I think, which is great, uh, which is great for all of us. So I think some things you need to solve at the OS platform level, and, and there's nobody better than, than the company that owns it. So, so that way, I think Microsoft definitely has a, has a good chance on that set. I think once that happens, obviously we do more around, you know, management and user experience and security and all the other stuff you you, you care about as well. So uh, that's kind of how I see that. Microsoft can invest in a lot more in the platform. That's where kind of we push them, customers push them as well. And then there's ecosystem players like us and others who kind of make the whole solution better, right? And, and really work in a complex, you know, environment. So, uh, you know, like, look, I, you know, people talk about costs and other stuff. I've I've never seen customers complain when they're happy with your solution, right? I think so. For me, like keep customers happy, provide the best of breed support, listen to them, you know, fix stuff that's that's broken, you know, keep innovating. And in and last but not the least, you know, keep the ecosystem, you know, growing and exciting. I think that's always a good recipe. And and I think as 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 the broader industry, we, we do have some tailwind because of you know, hybrid work is a reality. Yes, we are not work all working from home 100%, but at the same time, we are not all in the office 100% of the time, right? Somewhere in between. And so I think that's a tailwind for, for the whole industry, which is, which is uh, you know, I always say markets win all the time and it's always good to be in a, in a, in a good market, so. Yeah, not everyone has a cool office space like a uh, like, uh, case there. Oh, uh, attic. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it was it was a very happy accident that we uh, pulled the trigger just before COVID hit on uh, on this on the studio. And uh, um, while uh, you might think that uh, that this is my office, it's actually you know just a very small piece of my wife's office that she lets me use to, just uh, to get out of her way. So it's <laughs> truth you know, it's, comes it, out. 
<laughs> well, so listening into uh, kind of the, the previous um, uh, talk that you had, there's a few things that um, obviously comes to t- top of mind for me coming with the background that I've got. I, I heard you say uh, hybrid cloud, uh, multi-cloud is, is one of these things. I heard best-in-class support, and that somehow I always tie that up into kind of the the, the my employer, right? So um, Citrix and, and Nutanix, um, the current partnership, where do you see Nutanix in the partnership with the new Citrix being changing, and anything on future synergies that, uh, that you can uh, discuss with us? Yeah, absolutely. I think Look, Citrix and Nutanix uh, have a long-standing partnership. I, I still remember the early, early, early days. You know, early 2010s. Um, and and to be honest, I think Nutanix gets a lot of credit for making VDI success because you know storage and all the cost and the experience were such a big hassle before. And and I think HCI really kind of changed the game on that. Right. I think for that. Uh, the, the partnership has has always been great, uh, and 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 so you know definitely excited. And second, look, I I think there's a lot of joint innovation that we we've done before, and I think there's a lot more opportunity for us now. And, and some of that work is already happening. And and I think our customers also align pretty well, right? I think both of us target customers not digital native, cloud only, born in the cloud customers, but most customers were hybrid. And and so I think it's a it's a natural partnership there, uh, plus a natural partnership on the go to market side as well now. And, and and given what's happening with VMware and Broadcom, I think there's there's another opportunity for us to serve you know our joint customers even better. So I think definitely exciting. Uh, and, and second, I think there's a, not just a product and technology. There's also the people and relationship aspect of it. We know so many people in Canix. I mean, they were exit rights. You know, part of Citrix. You know, part of Nutanix, you know, or the ecosystem. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, shout out to Tarkin as well on the commercial side. He works closely with us, you know, great relationship with, you know, Rajiv, CU and things. So, so we are definitely excited, I think, both on the product technology as well as the go-to-market that I think we genuinely believe, you know, we have uh, we have a great joint offering. And and look, I mean, I we have a lot of our customer advisory board members who, you know, were big Nutanix customers as well. In fact, I think Nutanix, you know, fair to say has, you know, one of the best support models and, and we've actually been, you know, thanks to Casey, you know, we've been discussing as well how to better improve that, you know, better improve supportability within the product as well, which again is a big initiative I haven't even talked about. And there's a lot of work for us to do to make our products better in terms of supportability. That's a huge initiative we kicked off as well. We actually had tools and other stuff before. We're trying to reboot all those things. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, great partnership, I think, on product innovation, you know, I think learning from each other, I think common customers and channel and, and go to market synergy. So, so definitely, definitely exciting. So I'm going to push you on. Oh, go ahead, Casey. You had something before I jump in. No, go ahead. I was just smiling and, uh, and agreeing on uh, what Trita just mentioned. Uh, so I want to put you on the spot here. So, so uh, Zen Server is kind of back now um, and they're in their own product group. Um, do you see any shift back from other hypervisors uh, to Zen Server? And I ask on to that one: uh, Is Citrix on AHV still a preferred choice for Citrix? Yeah, no change in strategy, uh, Jerry. Right? Like choice is the biggest thing for us. And, and let me talk a few minutes on Zen Server and, and, and why that happened. I think it's really two reasons. One, you know, we we do have certain set of customers. 
And, you know, not all Citrix customers, there are a few cloud providers and others who use it as well. And they're like, hey, it's like, I'm, I depend on this, right? So we're like, okay, you know, let's let's at least support those customers. If you, if you don't put enough R&D on support, you know, that's gonna do, right? So it's like, okay, great. And not only that, Netscaler uses that for VPX and others. So there's a reason for us to invest. And second, it's more, uh, you know, any potential opportunities that might happen, you know, given VMware and other stuff, but that's not changing. Uh, you know, any, anything we have with, you know, HV and Nutanix, you know, that's, that's not, I mean, it's, it's really to, to support whatever customers are using today, uh, not to, uh, you know, not to, you know, change anything like, look, choice is the biggest thing we, we provide. I mean, I mean, technically speaking, we support vSphere as well, right? Again, that's customer choice and other stuff, but from a go-to-market perspective, obviously Nutanix is, is our biggest partner. Okay, and then kind of kind of closing things down here, just to ask Anon, you know, you answered everything pretty well. Uh, enjoyed the conversation, um, enjoyed all all the insights and all all the open and honesty here with uh, with Citrix and, and, and the questions here. Um, so let's talk non technology, right? Let's you know kind of get away from from Citrix, you know, outside of work, out, outside of of technology. You know, what are like one or two hobbies? You know, do you have in, in your free time? If you have free time, I, I did notice during the pandemic, you were doing a lot of home workout stuff too oh, nice. uh, on social media. So, you know, is that one of them or are there other things that could do outside of uh, work? Yeah, no, like, um, look on, on the weekends, I think spend a lot of time with family. I got an 11 year old son, 13 year old daughter. I mean, right now I guess I'm more Uber driver for them, moving them around, <laughs> but, but you know, spend a lot of time with them. Some, some other activity going on. I mean, like actually this weekend will be in Legoland. It was uh, last week was my weekend was my son's birthday. So taking him to Legoland Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. So it's like a lot of family time. I, I, uh, I think that's a, big part of my priority, like health, family, and work. So, so families, they are second, you know, I, I, I try to be active. Uh, you know, I play basketball. I love the game, you know, actually never played when I was a kid, but I, I played when I came to us and just absolutely love it. Uh, so, you know, I play that every Thursday nights, you know, just pick up basketball here in the gym and a bunch of other stuff. So that, that's uh, definitely actually Hector plays a lot of basketball as well. He's got a back. You know, maybe we should have a, you know, uh, tournament sometime. But so basketball is big for me. Uh, I play tennis as well with kids and stuff. Uh, you know, not not as much as I want to, but that that's another one I play with them. I want to pick up on golf, which is something I've stopped after kids because you know it's just hard to spend you know four or five hours away from the weekend. And so I want to kind of slowly pick them up with them. So that's one. Uh, last but not the least, CrossFit. Right? I do I do CrossFit. I've, I've started that back in 2015. Uh, was a you know uh, avid CrossFitter. Uh, I mean, last year was a little kind of busy. I, I yes, I built a whole CrossFit gym in my garage. You know, putting parts and pieces together uh, through COVID pandemic. But now, actually, I'm going back to the box. I mean, in fact, I was there this morning yesterday. So I love, I love CrossFit. I think it just keeps it exciting and different and pushing yourself. And I tell everybody, like, you know, I do it first thing in the morning, and it's like. It pushes you, I think, physically, psychologically, mentally, everything. So you're you're kind of set for the day. So that's that's usually my my go-to, like you know, family, you know, sports, workout, you know, sometimes biking. You know, mostly in South Florida, you could bike throughout the year. So nice, very nice. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Getting that uh, early morning workout in helps get that day started off just right to kind of get you in that that mindset. Because I I do like six a.m. classes every day, and yeah, I definitely agree on that front. Yeah. 
Yeah, physical activity is definitely important. It breaks up breaks up the day. It's it's very cool to hear uh, hear some of those hobbies, and uh, I really like you'd mentioned health, family, and work. Man, that that's really uh, three really important pillars uh, yep. uh, for you, and and really for for all of us, and I think a lot of folks out there as well. So, I think to to close things down as well, you know, you, you've as mentioned, you, you provided just uh, really good insights and transparency into the vision of Citrix uh, over the next few years and, and some reasonings behind, behind some recent changes and things like that is, is an awesome conversation. And, you know, you've been at Citrix for, you know, 20 plus years, almost 23, you'd mentioned long tenure, you know, what, and you had an extremely successful journey. Uh, so, so what, what would you say is some key advice that you maybe you can help share um, that, that has helped you through the years, um, you know, that you can share with, with some listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh... For, for whatever I think it's worth, uh, sometimes I think patience helps. I think, especially at least on the career side of things. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a long career. There were times that I questioned myself, uh, but I think what I realized is when you know what you're doing and you're doing the right job, I think, you know, th there might be some times of ups and downs in any company, but I think uh, you know, I've been lucky enough, to be honest, they are, even with leadership changes, somebody comes in and like understands and, and kind of taps on you. And that, that was definitely helpful uh, for me. That's one. Second, I think staying close to, you know, product and technology and mostly customers. I think as long as you kind of have passion to make your customers and partners successful, and that gives you you know, that always helped me, right? I mean, like, I'll tell, like, I mean, I get bored with internal meetings. Like, uh, the thing that excites me is, is getting in front of partners and customers, right? You know, I always tell, like, you know, the answer to all your questions are outside the building, right? So, so be all there, learn from the front line. Uh, it's okay if you make mistakes. We can, we can, most, most mistakes can be fixed. And, and so I think being out there, that, that still, you know, excites me, uh, and, and, you know, be humble and not have a lot of ego. I think that, that, that definitely helps. I've, I've seen, you know, a lot of people get tripped, you know, with that, but, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it definitely has helped me, uh, I would say. And, and, you know, last but not the least, hey, you know, take care of your health, take care of your sleep, take care of family, like, because if your health is not good, nothing else matters, right? So for me, it's like, those are like foundational stuff and everything else is, uh, is uh, cherry on the top. That, that that's great advice. And, you know, the, you said a lot of great things there that I can relate to. And, and you see all of us nodding our heads here for our listeners. We're on video. You'll get the audio only, but there's a lot of head nodding, a lot of smiling. Um, <laughs> as that's being said, um, I just want to thank you again, Sridhar, for coming on today when talking with us. It, it's always great chatting with you. Uh, so thank you again. Um, also thank you, Shane, for coming on as our, uh, special co-host on this one. You know, it, it's Shane always helps, uh, helps us when we're shuffling things with our co-host case it's great to be on with you again it's been a while to be here thank you yeah thanks thanks guys just you know thanks for inviting me on the on the podcast and uh you can find me on linkedin you know i'm not a big twitter or facebook guy but but linkedin for sure uh you know or you can email me like you know my first name dot last name at cloud.com that's hard to miss uh you know sridhar.mulapudi at cloud.com so uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I just want to say uh, to our listeners, thank you for, for listening. Uh, thank you again to Shradar. Um, and we will catch you next time.